in Genesis 9, if y'all are following along, feel free to join me. Genesis 9, verse 8. It's the first book of the Bible. Um, it's, a great, it's a great book. Um, starting at verse 8. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant. Can everyone say covenant? With you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant. Can we say covenant? With you... That never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is my sign of the covenant, can we say covenant? <clears throat> that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all generations. I have set my bow, in other versions it's a rainbow, um, <clears throat> in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant, can we say Covenant between me and the earth. A covenant is making a promise that you are going to do something, right? In in the Old Testament, like this is like, you know, kind of like sealed in blood, like we are so serious about this. But God is demonstrating to us that this is exactly the type of people that we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be people who keep our promises. Um, I... I think that, that this is such a, a, a beautiful picture of God's promises, right? It's, it's one of the, like, most pivotal covenants in the Bible. People refer to it as the Noahic covenant. And um, it demonstrates God's love for us, right? Because he's saying, look, you, Noah, you did what I asked. You protected these animals. You built the ark. You did all these things. Your family is safe. And now I'm going to promise you. And I'm going to seal it with an example that you will see for all eternity in the form of a rainbow that my promise is still true today and forever. And and that's exactly what God wants to show us, that we are people of our word. Second thing, second reason why, it's important. It's important to the people that we are promising things to. It's important to our mom. It's important to our siblings. It's important to your school. It's important to your job. It's important And if we take that lightly, whether it's a promise of, mom, I'm going to clean my room, or I'm going to be there for you because you need me, those things matter. And it's important as a person of God that you follow through on the things that you promise. And then the last, and this ties in directly to what all of these very brave individuals are going to be speaking on tonight, our testimony is not just how we came to know Jesus, it is how we live our life daily. And so if you are not a person of your word, if you are not striving daily to emulate Jesus, to emulate God, then you're missing it. Like, you're just missing it. And God wants us to be more like him. And and I, like, I don't know how to, like, make this more, this point more important, It is all fine if you say that you're a Christian, but if people can't see you walking through the hallways at school, if they can't see you in your line at Starbucks, if they don't see you here at youth, if they don't see you living out these types of things in your life, then it it won't matter. It won't matter if you could walk up to somebody and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. 
because they will not believe you because you are not a person of your word. And, and it's so pivotal. It is so pivotal that we live daily the way that Jesus calls us to live. And God calls us to live by being people of our word. So there you go. Come on. Thank you, Sydney. So good. Uh, man, that, that, I, don't, I don't know about you, but that's a, that's a challenging, convicting word for sure for me. Because uh, it's, it's difficult to keep our word sometimes and, uh, and to live out God's uh, way of life daily. To, 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 to try to be like God every single day is, is something that sometimes I forget. Sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes I don't feel like it. And so thank you, Sydney, for, for encouraging us with that word. And so uh, for the next couple of minutes, we're going to hear from some students. And uh, we're going to hear from them on what God's doing in them. It's not going to be super long from each of them, just a, a short uh, little snippet from each of them of what, of what God's doing in them and what God's teaching them. And so um, I didn't tell you guys what order we're going in. Um, so, you guys want to, like, play rock, paper, scissors or something? I'm just kidding. Ooh, that was a call-out. That was a call-out. So, because of that, Reagan, let's give it up for Reagan. Yeah, go for it. Thank you. Um, so, like Wes, like Wes said, um, the first time he asked me to do this, which was yesterday, um, I was like, no, I'm good. Um, and then he said, he gave me this encouraging word of, like, I don't want you to force this upon you, but, like, God can still use you. And I was like, oh, Wes, still no, I'm good. <laughs> and, and but uh, last night, God began to challenge me of, like, why is that? And so um, today, I'm going to be talking about two things, um, insecurities and if-onlys. Um, so, insecurities... Um, I think everybody has them. I think that's, I think that's safe to say. Um, so I wrote down a couple. Um, some people might be insecure about their weight, um, might be the color of their skin. Oh, am I, am I tan enough? Or I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, what I'm wearing, do I look good? Um, do people really like me or do they just tolerate me when I'm around? Um, do the way you look, like the way you smile, is that... Um, do I actually just kind of suck at life and I don't even realize it? And this interesting thing about all these insecurities, are they just, they're just not any insecurities. These are insecure about my weight. Yeah, I'd say that's me. I would say I'm too skinny. Insecure about the color of my skin. Yeah, I feel like I'm pasty. <laughs> um, what I'm wearing, I wouldn't, I will not lie to you guys and tell you sometimes I change what I'm wearing before I walk outside the house because I'm like, no, people think that looks stupid. Um, do people really like me? Like these are all, these are all not just any insecurities, these are insecurities that I have. And so what God is showing me is that um, just because insecurities are real and just because you feel insecurities does not mean that they're not from the pit of hell and meant to keep you afraid and alone and separated from God. Amen? Um, and the other thing is if onlys. Um, I think I, and I think some people tend to live in this world of if only. Um, like, if only I were better at sports. Wouldn't that just make life perfect? If only 
if only God really spoke to me like I see he speaks to other people. If only I was able to get those grades. If only that one person would like me. That would make everything better. And I think what I realized is I was looking at it wrong. And that instead of if only, it should have been if only. And that does sound like the exact same thing. <laughs> but it's a little different in that it's instead of if only, it's if dot, 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 only. If you make that varsity team, that's awesome. That's incredible for you. And only God matters. If you thought you were a lock for that varsity team and you're not on the varsity team, that sucks. And only God matters. If, um, if you ace a test, that's awesome. And only God matters. If you get rejected by someone, I feel that. I've been there. And, <laughs> and only God matters. So I found this verse. It's in Psalms uh, chapter 3, verse 3. And it speaks to um, insecurities and if onlys. It says, uh, but you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. And so I think it's easy to, let's say, you pick a great outfit for school or for church, and you walk out of the house with confidence because you know what? You have a great outfit on, right? Like you're strutting your stuff, but it's not your outfit or the way you look or what's going on around you that causes you to lift your head high. It's God. God is the one who should be lifting your head high no matter what your situation is. And then from that, I have um, a Bible where it gives you, like it talks about each verse, and I love that. And here's what it says. It says, look at your problems in the light of God's power instead of looking at God in the shadow of your problems. Thank you. Let's give it up for Reagan. Come on, it's good, man. Well, all right, you ready for the next one? Yeah. Let's go, let's go. Okay, you ready? Let's go, come on, girl. Let's give it up for Sienna. Okay, um, today I'm gonna talk about the fact that you do not need to be of any significance or of any importance in today's society to further the kingdom of God. And then furthermore, that you do not have to be comfortable. In fact, you need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable to further the kingdom of God. So I was reading Nehemiah chapter 1 the other day. And Nehemiah was talking about how he was just a cupbearer. He was lowest of the food chain. He was not important in that society. And he was literally the one that tested the king's drink and food before he ate it to see if it was poisoned. So he was that guy that they called out of the crowd. So and so to give you some backstory, Israel's wall was on fire. It was broken. Its people were in great distress because God had turned on them because they had turned on God. And Nehemiah got this call from God to go rebuild this wall. So Nehemiah gets this call, and he gathers these people, and he's telling the important people, the important people of this society, and they're like, Nehemiah, you can't do this. You're not important. 
you this God that you're saying told you to build this wall is not going to prepare this for you. He's not going to help you with this. You're not going to be able to do it. But then later on, Nehemiah gets this tribe, this tribe of people, and it and actually in chapter 2, it lists all of these people, and it just goes on and on and on. And Nehemiah gets these people, and he starts rebuilding the wall, and he rebuilds it, and it's like at the end, it's successful. He rebuilt the wall and he restored Israel. So really, I want to talk about this because you do not need to be important to further the kingdom of God because God does not call you to be important or significant because he is important. He is significant. God is an important God, and you do not need to be cool. You do not need to be on the best sports team. You don't need to wear the right outfit. You don't need to look the prettiest. You don't need to get all the guys or get all the girls because God can do it, and he is so cool. And he led Nehemiah. He gave him a community, and he gave him the confidence and the boldness to go rebuild this wall that was literally on fire. And he really, if you give God the trust to use you and you give God the trust to get you uncomfortable in these uncomfortable situations, he will do radical change in your heart and through other people. And yeah, Nehemiah was not important. He was not an important person, but he did radical change in his community and he, God did radical change in his heart and through other people. So yeah, that's it. Come on. Shoot, girl. Let's go. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man, I'm encouraged by that, man. How, how easy is it to think you got to be, you got to have status in this world? So easy. How easy is it to feel like, man, I got I to gotta, I gotta be somebody before I can do anything. I got to have influence, right? Like these people on social media that just like, come out of nowhere and have this influence. And man, if, if we're being honest, how, how easy it is to be envious of them. And God's saying, man, you don't need any of that to be used by me. And like, and God may use you in incredible ways, but you may never see the headline of a, of a, of, of a, of a billboard. You may never, you, you may never be the, the most influential person on, on Instagram or TikTok. Like, and, and yet God could use you in incredible ways that are bigger than you could ever imagine because God's, God's kingdom works a little bit different. Influence works a little bit different in God's kingdom, and it's not the way the world works. And so, man, what an encouragement, Sienna. And wait a, man, that, that, that's, that's, that's a truth pulled straight from Scripture. Uh, man, if you, need, if you need that encouragement over and over again, like, read Nehemiah. It's a great story. It's really short, and you can get through it in just one sitting. And, and I would encourage you to, to, to write that down and, and read that later. So, all right, give it up for Sienna one more time. Come on, girl. Come on. Okay. Let's give it up for Mia. You got this. You feel what? You feel kind of short? That's all right. That's all right. I, you got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. Let's go. Okay. Um, so I'm here to talk about today stepping out of your comfort zone and not caring what others think of you. I tend to struggle with this a lot. So um, I've always grown up in the church, believed in God. I had that wonderful family. But one thing that I always struggled with was baptism. Like stepping in front of people, in front of the whole church, that terrifies me. Um, so I always waited, and years went by. And then slowly, by like, say, age 10, I thought that my friends and my 
peers would judge me that I had waited too long. And so slowly I just kept on waiting because I thought I was going to be judged. But this March, I realized that the only person whose opinion matters is God. And so I was able to be baptized. And not only did I take that step in my relationship with the Lord and it was just this great thing, but my peers and the church body just encouraged me so much and were they were cheering me on the whole way. So it was just this great thing. So one um, passage in the Bible, Proverbs 29, 25 says, fear of the man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. And what this is saying is that if you constantly are thinking of what people are going to say about you and think about you, it's just going to hold you back and you're going to miss out on all these great opportunities. But whoever trusts in the Lord, he will keep you safe. He's going to be with you forever. So that's one thing that I learned. And then more recently, um, I tried out for this new soccer team that my parents kind of forced me to try out for. But it's all good. Um, so I tried out for the team, and I made it. And so now I had this difficult choice between staying with my team that I had been playing with for eight years now. Um, they were my family, my best friends. The coaches felt like parents. And But this new team had new opportunities. They were way better, but it was farther away, more money. And I ended up switching teams and going to this new team. And the sad thing was I was judged by my teammates. I lost basically all of them, but like two. Um, my coaches talked bad about me. It just wasn't a great situation, and it really sucked. But on this new team, I have a bunch of new friends, new opportunities, and I'm already so much better. So what I'm realizing from this situation is that people are going to judge you no matter what and that God is going to provide wonderful situations out of this, and that's what came from mine, and that sometimes you have to step out of your comfort zone to be able to get something new that's better that God has waiting for you. So one um, verse that always sticks close to me this past year is Philippians 4, 6, and it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And peace of God will transcend all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What this verse is saying is that whenever you're anxious or scared, just pray about it. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Prayer can just be like, Lord, I'm scared. Please help me in this situation. Lord, I'm anxious. Please stay with me and keep me calm. And so if you're able to take anything out of what I said today, just remember stepping out of your comfort zone is a great thing, and it provides good opportunities. And remember, the Lord is always with you, and stop caring about what other people think. It's, it's going to hold you back, and nothing good's going to come from it. Thank you. Come on. Let's go. That's so good. Oh, man. Come on, way to go. I'm proud of you. I know that was that was a first time. Man, it's awesome though. All right, well, without further ado, last but not least, graduate. Just so sad, all my graduates. Emma, I see you too. Um, uh, Tessa, um, well, I don't know what you're going to share, but has shared something with us over the last couple of days and just a situation that's going on in her life. And what I'm so thankful of, and, and she may talk about it a little bit, she may not, but um, what I'm so thankful for is that, like, you don't have to be at the end of your struggle. You don't have to be at the end of a situation. You don't have to see how the story finishes to share what God's doing in you. You can do it now, in the middle, before you see what you want to see or get the result or the outcome that you want. And so I'm thankful for that. And uh, 
so excited to hear you. Let's give it up for Tessa. What an introduction. That was, that was something. Um, Wesley asked me to do this this morning, so I apologize. My notes are on my phone. Um, but yeah, I recently graduated, and that's really exciting and also really scary, and that takes a lot, a lot of faith in God. Um, but recently, I, well, first of all, have you guys ever gotten, like, news, and it just, like, ruins your plans for, like, a straight week, or, like, just, you're just, like, heartbroken over this news? Yeah, probably everyone, because it's kind of, like, the worst feeling, but happens a lot, unfortunately. Um, I had this whole plan. I have been planning on going to school for social work for probably, like, the past year and a half. Like, that's been the plan. Like, prayed about it. It's been something I really thought was a call from God and that this is what I was supposed to be doing. Um, I'm For some context, I leave for school on Wednesday, and I got this call on the phone last Thursday. Um, I got a call, and they were like, you can't do the social work degree program. And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? That's been the plan. Like, that's what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Um, so it turns out I can't do the program because I have already had two years of college under my belt from Running Start. And they're like, yeah, like, the fastest you could do it is, like, three and a half years, four years. And I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, I already did two years in order to speed it up. And so I was faced with this, the decision of either uh, transferring schools or switching majors or staying in school for four years, which was not ideal just financially wise. Um, so that was a bit of a shock, and I was not, not too happy about it. Um, but yeah, where I'm going with this is that we all have our own plans and our own will and what we want to do, right? But then we have God, and we have his plan and his will and what he is going to do, because it is his will. Um, I don't think I've told anyone this, actually. Probably, no, I didn't tell anyone. But last week, I was really, really struggling with a lot of doubt. I was like, like, social work? Are you sure? Like, this doesn't, I don't know. I'm not sure about this. And so I, I didn't even tell anyone, which was dumb. I probably should have prayed with someone about it. But I didn't. I prayed about it on my own. And I moved on with my week, and then I got the call, and I was like, interesting. Because, <laughs> like, when I was praying on my own, I was like, show me, like, if this is what it's supposed to be. If this is what I'm supposed to be doing, if this is the plan. And then I got a call, and they were like, you're not doing this. Like, you can't do it. And I was like, well, that's kind of a really obvious sign, Lord. Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> and I still was like, I don't know. Like, it doesn't seem right. But I just knew, like, there was something in this that was from God. Like, there was something in the whole really last-minute change that was, like, God is telling you literally to take everything and trust him with it and, like, literally give all of your faith into that. Um, oh, this morning, Pastor Chase was preaching. I don't know if anyone, was, anyone else was there. Um, but he said something, and it was – it really stuck out just in my situation, and it said – um, God will either eventually answer what you were asking for or in another way answer it and give us what we would have asked for if we had had his knowledge and his perception of our lives and I was like whoa whoa that is way too applicable to <laughs> what's going on um, and it's really it's really just proof to how sovereign God is and in the end it, 
he's gonna have his will, even if, how much it sucks. I never thought that I would be changing, switching majors in the, like, five days before I leave for school. Um, and like Wes said, um, I'm still in the middle of this. Like, I haven't even made a decision. I haven't decided what I'm going to do, but I know that this is something the Lord is, is putting into my life for a reason and is prevalent right now because it needs to be. Um, what was I saying? Oh, I'm still in the middle of this, and it isn't just, like, magically fixed the second that I chose to, like, trust God with it. Like, yeah, I prayed over it, and I asked others for prayer and for advice and for wisdom, and just because I've done that already doesn't mean it's fixed. It's not all better. Like, it's not just a snap of fingers and it's magic, and it's a testament to saying, like, um, the second you choose to trust God that you can move forward in it, you can move forward in faith instead of by your own plans and in your own steps. And I think that's pretty cool. And there's one verse. Where is it? Hold on. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgivings, let your requests be made known to God. It's a pretty basic verse. A lot of people have heard it, but if you haven't, it's okay. It's a great verse. Philippians 4, 6. Um, but... As you can imagine, this is a very anxiety-ridden weekend, <laughs> and that verse has been a life verse for me, and I just, it just came back to me tonight, and just a reminder, like, whatever you're going through, what you're struggling with, what you're anxious about, tell God. Like, literally just be like, yo, God, this is really nerve-wracking, I don't know, you know what I mean? Because he cares, he loves you, he knows you, he already knows that you feel like that, but tell him anyways, he wants, he wants to hear from you. Um. Lastly, probably talked too long. Sorry, guys. Um, lastly, who like who knows you better than the creator of the world, and like the person who literally created you? He created every single part of you. Who knows you better? Nobody. Literally, only Jesus does. He knows you so well, more, better than you know yourself, which is kind of weird if you think about it. And he knows what's best for you. He knows where you need to be, where you're going to be tomorrow, where you were yesterday and what you should be doing, and he's literally just asking us to trust him and have faith that he will complete his works. So, cool. Thank you. Come on. Can we give it up for all of our speakers one more time? You guys can, you guys can go find a seat if you want as we wrap up tonight. Oh, man. Come on, yeah, great job. Well, as we close tonight, I just wanted to share one thing with you um, on the on this topic of people sharing. You hear a little bit of, you know, you hear a little bit of scripture, but all of this is coming from, uh, you know, it's encouraged them. Why is it encouraged them? Because they're going through something that applies to it, right? And we're all going through something. We're all we're all dealing with something, and I don't care whether you feel like. You feel like, man, you're in the, the darkest place in your life, or you feel like, man, I'm, I'm actually doing pretty good. Like, we all, we all have things that God is trying to work in us and, 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 and even shave off of us and, and carve off of us. Like, because I'm not, I need to change. Like, there are things in me that need to die. There are things in me that need to be cut off. There are things in me that, like, I don't want to be because I want to be like Jesus, and, and, and I'm not always the loving, most loving person. 
you may not always be the most loving person or the most loving sibling or, or whatever it is. And, and so there are things that like literally, Jesus, scripture talks about that like, like a tree bears fruit, you got to cut it back. You got to prune it. And in the same way, we got, there are things in, in the way that we live life. There's, there's the way that we see things. There's, there's, there's sin in our life that needs to be cut off, not so that we can be hurt and be mad at God because God sucks. No, it's so that we can actually bear more fruit. Why does a tree get cut? so that it can grow. And so in the same way, like God wants you to grow, but sometimes it takes being cut and things being shaved off of your life. And so, but I wanna, I wanna talk to you because I believe we're all, we're all going through something and, I, and I'm gonna make this really short. Um, but there's a, there's a passage in, um, in John chapter four that actually Amanda preached on a couple weeks ago. And I'm not gonna go into the, the, the thick of it, so you don't need to put up the slides because I'm gonna kind of paraphrase this. But but if you remember from, um, from Amanda's message, she talked a lot about this woman at the well. And, and this woman, this woman was, was a Sumerian, and, and that alone made, made it so that, like, you don't, you don't talk to this, this chick. Like, you, don't, you don't talk to this girl like, because she's, she's, she's a Sumerian and she's a woman. And so in this culture, like, one, like, women were, were the social status of women were, were not like it was, to, like, is not like it is today. And then the fact that she was Sumerian. So Jews didn't talk to Sumerians. And, and yet Jesus finds himself at this well with this Sumerian woman and, uh, and has this whole moment with her. And I want, I want to just talk about one aspect of it uh, because she had a testimony. She had a story, and, and God used her in a really incredible way. And I want to encourage you with where you're at in the same way. And so essentially Jesus, you know, he's traveling and, and he's going from A to B. And, uh, and he could have just went from A to B, but he said, I have to go through Samaria. And, uh, and Samaria was like, was like out of the way. He was literally going out of the way in order to go to Samaria. And so it was very intentional and he wanted to teach people something. And, and so he goes to Samaria and he's, he's, he's tired. It's about noon. So it's probably the heat of the day. It's probably really hot. And he finds himself thirsty for a drink, and there's this woman at the well, and so he says, give me a drink. Would you, would you, because she was at the well getting water, and so she asked for a drink. And, um, and so they have this whole moment, and, uh, and, and the, the girl's like, why, why are you even talking to me? Like, I, I am not someone you talk to. Like, you are a Jewish man. You are of higher stature. You're of higher significance and value in the society. Why are you even looking down at me and talking to me? And yet Jesus has this conversation with her. And ultimately it leads to this moment, says like, well, I'll give you this living water because he talks about like the water that, that the, the metaphorical water that like you will never be thirsty again. And it's this, 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 uh, this, this picture of when you come to Jesus, Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy. Like you keep coming back to water. We're thirsty every day. We're hungry every day. But it's this picture of in Jesus, especially when we get to heaven, all of those longings will be satisfied. And so, and so she's like, man, well, I, I never want to be thirsty again. I'll I never have to come back. To the, I'll never have to do the hard work of getting, you know, getting this bucket and throwing it down. I'll never have to do this again. Like she's thinking this is more literal. And yet Jesus says this thing, well, go and call your husband and come here. And essentially like, go get your husband and we'll do this. And she goes, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says to her, you're right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands. And the, only, and the one you now have is not your husband. And Jesus finishes with this just blow. I mean, Jesus is a savage here. And it literally says, what you have said is true. <laughs> so he's literally saying, like, what you said is true because you don't have a husband. You have five. And the one you're with currently 
isn't even your husband. And I love her response because she's like, she's got to be just like baffled, confused. Like how the heck did this guy know that I, I don't actually have a husband. I have five husbands and I'm not even with my husband or any of them, any of the five. Right now I'm with somebody else. And so she says in verse 19, it says, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. That's what she says. So essentially she's saying like, I'm thinking you're not a normal guy from down the street. Like, you're not your average Joe. Like, there is something different about you. That's literally what she's saying. And it goes down, and, 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 and she, talks about, she talks about the Messiah because they were waiting for Jesus to come, though they didn't know it was this Jesus. And, and then Jesus outright tells her, I am the one that you're talking about. And then the disciples come back because they had gotten something to eat in the city because they were on the outskirts of the well. And it says, the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And what I want, what I want you to grab as we, as we close tonight and as we pray is this. She went from hiding her story to telling her story. She went from trying to get, trying to hide from Jesus the fact that she did not, like, like she was right in saying that she didn't have a husband because she actually had five and some other rando guy, right? Like, she was trying to hide this fact. She was trying to beat around the bush. She was trying to avoid it. And Jesus confronts her. And so she goes from hiding her story. And then she drops her jar. She doesn't even care about her jar, and she runs into town. I can only imagine what she's, what she's thinking and, and the, just the, the baffledness that she has got to be like, who the heck is this guy? She runs into town, and she's literally yelling like, hey, this guy told me all the crap that I've ever done. Isn't that awesome? Right? That's like the total opposite. Like she literally, I mean, she, she was probably an outcast anyways. And now, now she's going from like hiding the fact that she's been in all of this sin. And she's hiding the fact that she's been making all these wrong decisions. And she's trying to hide it from this dude that, that is talking to her. And she doesn't even know why he's talking to her. And then something begins to switch. And she does the exact opposite. She runs into town and begins to yell to the whole world, hey, there's this guy. And he like knew every bad decision I ever made. He knew everything I ever did. And we see in verse 39, it says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him, in Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. And I want to encourage you tonight that whether you grew up in a Christian home and you feel like, I don't got a testimony. I've never, like, like I, I remember, I remember growing up, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were pastors. And so, and so every time, you know, I'd go to a big event, like a repossess, if you ever, I don't know if you guys even know what that is, but uh, it was like this citywide worship event. And, um, and I remember hearing all these testimonies of people and like, they were like, yeah, like I was like totally addicted to drugs. And then like the next day I wasn't, Jesus has saved me. And I was thinking like, um, I grew up in a Christian home and well, that's it. Like, that, that's what I felt my testimony was. Like, I felt like I had nothing to share because, like, well, like, my life was, like, just kind of, like, it was, it was, like, a good life in comparison to all these people, right? Like, I hadn't had five wives like this, this girl in John chapter 4. Like, I, I didn't have this bad rap sheet. And so I think a lot of us, whether that may be you tonight where you feel like, well, I don't really have a testimony to tell. Or maybe you're the opposite and you feel like, man, I, I could go for hours. I got a list. Do you want to hear it? Like, like I, got, I got so much that I could share of where I've been 
And, and either way, I want to encourage you with this, is that God wants to use you, and God wants to use you to tell your story. God wants to use you to tell your story. And I don't care how messy you feel, God, being God, can turn that mess into a message to save other people, to point other people to Jesus. And some of you got to realize, I don't, care, I, don't care what, I don't care what your life has looked like, whether you feel like you've had the perfect life, I got nothing really bad to complain about, or you feel like you've been in the darkest things, you've seen people, you've, you've seen things that no, no one your age should ever see, no matter where you are on that spectrum, God has something for you to share for others and tell, like, hear me please, you stepping out in boldness, being uncomfortable, you stepping out and doing that actually could be the very thing that unlocks somebody else's freedom. See, when, see when, when, when someone is addicted to pornography and hears a story about actually you can be set free. See, what that does for that person is says, I don't have to be here forever. I don't have to stay stuck. I heard the testimony of what God did in them and if he can do it in them, he can do it in me but they don't hear that if you don't share your story. Those people in Samaria wouldn't have ever known this man named Jesus if this outcast woman with six dudes hadn't been like, I don't care what people think. I know I've made some bad decisions. I know I have a mess of a life, but there's this guy that I know, and, and, and I think, I, I was thinking, and, and, and this is where I'll close, I was thinking, man, what, what changed in her? You've got, you've got this girl that's like literally trying to avoid everything to, to, not, to not let this dude figure out that she is just in a, in a, in a, in a, in a just terrible situation, that, she, ha that, that, that he, she hasn't made all of these bad decisions, and, and what changed in her? And man, I think the fact that Jesus actually had a conversation with this woman who he wasn't supposed to have a conversation with, I think it changed something in her. And what I, and what I think, and I don't know this for sure, and I'm not God, and so I don't, I don't know for 100% sure, but I'm, I'm thinking that some, something in how Jesus saw her and loved her and didn't judge her and said, I, like, and confronted her, yeah, but loved her and talked to her and saw her as a human being, changed her heart to say, yeah, I, I, am, I have made some bad decisions. But I don't care what anybody says because I just met a person who's loved me, who, who sees me right where I am. And what I want to encourage you with tonight is that because I know a lot of us feel like, man, well, I either don't have a story to tell or I don't want to. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I don't want people to look at me funny. I don't want people to judge me. And I pray that the love of the Father, the grace of the Father, the forgiveness, the way he looks at you. Can I tell you, he cares about you. And he cares about what you care about. He cares, like the cereal you picked, you picked tonight, how you figured out in your mind which one you were going to pick. Check this. He cares about that. And that may sound like stupid and like, what's, what's the point of him caring about the cereal that I picked? It's to say that no matter how small the detail about who you are, 
or what decision or, or anything in your life, can I tell you, Jesus cares, and he cares deeply. So from how, what cereal you picked to where you're going to go to college to how you're navigating a, a, a hard situation in, in a relationship or in your family, God cares about it. And if it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. If you're thinking about it, he knows about it. And even if you're not thinking about it, he knows about it and he cares about it. And so may that love push us, say, I've been loved in a way that I, I can't even fathom. And I want to go tell my story about how I've been loved from this place to this place. From a mess who doesn't know where to go, what to do, or, how, or where, where to move on from here to, I've got a story to tell. And man, can I tell you, I've made some terrible decisions I've done some stupid stuff, but God found me. God saved me. God redeemed me. God cleansed me. God cleaned me. God, he put me up, and he put me on solid ground on my own two feet to share a story of how God has used me, how God has loved me, and he wants to do that in you tonight. He wants you, and that doesn't mean you, you get, a, you get a, a, a microphone and a platform to tell your story. Some people do, but not everybody and so it's in a conversation, sharing how God, God taught you something. Or how you switched a soccer team. And you, you could share that story with a friend. And it could encourage them, even though they, they don't play soccer, right? But they may be in a similar situation, feeling like, I got a decision to make, but I feel like people are going to judge me for it. God wants to use you every single day every single day.